Casey Shaw Pottercast in three, two, one. Pottercast. I'm Michael Potter, joined by Casey Shaw, assistant coach at GSU, among many other things that we'll talk about on this podcast. But Casey, thanks a bunch for being on the Pottercast. Mike, it's so good to be here. I really appreciate you taking time and let me let me jump on here. This will be fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I might call you Isaiah or okay. Caleb or Luke at some point, especially Isaiah, because as he gets more playing time, yeah. and I get used to saying Isaiah Shaw, Isaiah Shaw, I say his yeah. name more than yours, you know, That's right. which is probably yeah. a good thing, yeah, right, is, is. when you're calling GSU basketball. But yeah. we met because you came over when Bryce Drew came over as an assistant yeah. coach uh, at GSU in your fourth season now, and mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about how you got here, what the, your background is and everything, but... Boy, so far, I mean, we're taping this nine and one, getting ready for another game. What a season so far! Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I knew this summer, you know, that we had a chance to be really good when we got our guys together, and you, you know, you start going through practice, you're doing these preseason workouts, your summer workouts, and but just the the, the talent of some of the players and, and the way that these guys kind of came together. We got to go to the Bahamas this year, so we did a foreign tour. Uh, so again, you know, just seeing these guys together, I, I knew we were we had a chance to have a pretty special team, but, uh, but you never know, you know, it's basketball, yeah. you know, injuries happen, stuff happens. You just never know. There's always ups and downs. Uh, but man, I feel really grateful to be nine and one, uh, and going into the holidays here, getting ready for conference play that'll start in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, um, you know, having these guys feeling like, okay, we're getting Javon Blackshire back We're you know, Baker's kind of starting to get healthy. And it's like, wow, we've got some depth. We've got some talent. Um, every position you, you feel like going into the game, you've, you know, you've got an advantage. So feels really good. You know, the fans obviously super excited. Everybody sees now on the national stage, people are starting to pay attention, but walk me back last year. Things are up and down all year amazing run winning yeah. you know six straight four in a row in five days at the tournament playing yeah. gonzaga <laughs> literally right now only three guys on that team that were even suited up yeah. in that game yeah. against gonzaga i mean the way college basketball is now the flipping of players it's just kind of like table stakes it seems like you just have to do it what was that experience like you play gonzaga yeah. You're done for the season, but you're on the phone, like, immediately trying to fill holes. Immediately. You know, they opened up the portal before the season was even over. Yeah. So we're in the tournament. I mean, the portal was was open. I wish, <laughs> they, right. I wish they would change that because uh, you really don't get a day off. And, and in fact, that was, that's, you know, the spring now has become your busiest, for us assistant coaches, coaches who yeah. recruit, it becomes our busiest time of the year. Uh, whereas in the past, it was always kind of July, you know, August, you do some visits with high school kids. Well, that's all been flipped on its head. And so now the spring, I mean, you you really hit it hard, especially a school like GCU. I really feel like we have so much to offer. Obviously, we have so much to offer for high school kids, but but for a trans, for a player who's looking to transfer, who's maybe at a high major level, who, you know, came out of high school, highly recruited, uh, was, a, was a power five type kid and didn't have a great experience, um, to be able to come to a place like GCU where we, you know, have the, obviously the weather and the facilities, the campus is beautiful. Um, we have a staff that has experience, all of us at the high major level um, in NBA. Um, 
you know, it's just, it's just like feels like a good fit for transfer kids that want to, uh, you know, feel like they want to get a fresh start. And so we've been really successful in the portal. We've been very fortunate, been blessed, obviously. Um, uh, but last spring, I mean, we worked hard. It wasn't just like, okay, these guys going, I mean, we, we really had to work it and a lot of visits, a lot of time. I and mean, we didn't have a, a day off uh, for, for a couple of months. I mean, it was just every day working hours up here on the phone. Um, and, uh, but it pays off, you know, if you can get it to work right. One, one thing I'll add, Mike, it's like we have having Gabe and Ray here and even Javon, uh, they are such good leaders. And so, mm, yes, we yeah. brought in, you know, eight new players, but I'll tell you, those guys have been unbelievable at setting, uh, the stage for this is our culture. This is who we are. This is how you buy in with what coach Drew wants to do. And they have been amazing. And so they just pull those guys in. And uh, I, I think that's the, really been the key. Because uh, if, if you don't have Ray and Gabe leading and holding guys accountable, I, I don't know that this works. You know what I mean? Bringing eight yeah. new players in. Um, it works because those two guys and Javon uh, as well um, are like, this is who we are. And if you want to come on board and be part of this, it'll be special and it'll be great. But you're going to do things the way we, we do it. You know, and That's, that's kind of going to be the new trick, right? I mean, the days of recruiting a kid out of high school and developing him over four years so he knows your culture inside and out by year two or three. Yeah. Those days are kind of gone. So how do you keep enough of those guys yeah. and bring in the new guys so that you're not recreating a culture or reteaching a culture yeah. as coaches every season? No, I think you have to. I, I really do. I think you have to keep a core few at least, you know, maybe maybe a few more. Just that, just that know your culture because, you know, these the kids that transfer, they come in, uh, obviously there's some warts there or they wouldn't be transferring. You know, mm -hmm. there's something, you know, even really good ones, you know, like, you know, you just, you, there's some unknowns and there's some risk. There's a reason they're in the portal. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there are some, you know, look at even our, you know, with Tyon Grant Foster in the season he's having, uh, there was a lot of unknowns with him. I mean, yeah. he hadn't played in two years. He was... You know, it was like there was a, some risk on, okay, hey, is he even going to get cleared medically? Um, you know, obviously, we felt like he was talented enough to take that risk. But, um, uh, but, but you know, so you have to have guys that know the staff, you know, because, again, it's, college basketball is really hard. And when these guys come in, they're, you know, they've transferred, so there's probably some part of them that thinks, like, okay, I want to go to another place. I want to score more. I want to have more opportunity. That's all normal. Uh our job as a staff is like, okay, how do we now uh, kind of remove the ego, take out the selfishness, push out, you know, that and, and get these guys to now want to jump on board for a team, you know, with togetherness and unity and, and all of that, yeah. you know, to, to try to, you know, unselfishness and that. So um, this group, we, again, we've been fortunate with uh, having a really good balance of guys who were here last year that fought through. Uh, the ups and downs of last season and uh, and then bringing in, you know, some really talented guys. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, and, and probably all schools think this, but GCU is a very unique school in and of itself and the GCU culture. And I mean, now you've got a coach and a coaching staff that really the, the culture he wants to create fits in very well with the GCU culture. So yeah. there's no, there's no animosity between that, but GCU is just a different kind of school. I mean, just the way we, I mean, from the yeah. president all the way down, it's just a different kind of school. And that's why 
we've been able to grow so big so fast yeah. and have such great impact. Yeah. But it's different, right? You got it's yeah. it's very different than most stops it, anywhere these guys have been. No doubt. I mean, just walking on campus, there's a different feel. And these guys will tell you that. Actually, at uh, our pregame meal today, uh, I was sitting there with uh, some of the guys and just talking about, um, you know, I, you know, they, they were talking about, you know, just the atmosphere, not of games, but just the culture of the campus, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, they were talking about girls on campus. <laughs> but uh, but it is different. It's a different feel. I mean, the, you know, kids come here and, and I think the growth has been because uh, President Brian Mueller has had a vision that, you know, families uh, were um, really um, searching and wanting a, 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 a school where they could send their children that felt safe, that they weren't getting indoctrinated with a lot of, uh, you know, crazy stuff, but they were going, getting a yeah. good education from a Christian worldview. And there's a lot of parents looking for that, a lot of families looking for that. And, you know, and so that's what's kind of been um, the hallmark of what the school's about. And so when our guys come on and then the support you get for basketball, you know, obviously that's been part of it too. It's like mm -hmm. they, they, they support basketball so much. Um, it's, it's just an awesome place. And, and I think, you know, our guys love it. Um, they thrive in it, you know, having a crowd the way that we do and the support <laughs> we get. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel really fortunate for that. Uh, and so hopefully we can keep it rolling. I mean, this is, you know, sometimes you – you catch lightning in a bottle and hopefully yeah. that's been that's the type of season we can continue to build yeah. on and keep getting better yeah and that's always been the vision right and and the vision for a coaching staff to come in and and and, and everybody says gonzaga right i mean yeah. you could add san diego state into that sure. any of these mid-majors that did not only hit lightning in a bottle but then have had sustained success after that and sometimes that's the hardest part is yeah. the butler the two years and then yeah. Who, who, where have you been? That Brad Stevens leaves, <laughs> and where have you been? So you want to have that sustained success. So you got to kind of think yeah. about building a program as you're. Yeah. But you, you got to have a, a couple of years to get on the on the national footprint. So it's 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 a daunting task. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, on the outside looking in, because I don't have the pressure, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's been it's been awesome. And again, you know, it does take time to build a program. You yeah. know, for I, like. Like it's hard to come into a new place, even if there has been success in the past, and and do it in three years, because every coaching staff has its own personality, it has its own philosophies, it has its own you know way of teaching, and and so it just takes time. Players can't, they're not going to get here in the summer. Transfer players not going to get here in the summer, and then all of a sudden you know be who you want them to be. It's usually like give it a year, give it like it takes time. So. I, I do feel like being in year four, like um, I just, I just feel like we we finally kind of started to feel like, okay, this is a real like Bryce Drew team. Um, he's made comments before, like, boy, this really reminds him of a couple of those Valpo teams he had. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they won thirty games and and uh, had postseason success, it's like, you know. But again, those were, you know, he that was year five, year six, you know, there yeah. and um, so. Um, yeah, so it does. It just it's it's a it's a process, and yeah. you got to be patient and keep working, keep grinding. Yeah, I was you talk about Bryce, of course. Uh, he's your brother-in-law. I was asking him about nil and all that stuff, and I said, dude, could you imagine how how money you would have been after hitting that shot if nil was available? <laughs> and he's like, oh my goodness, yeah. I'm like yeah. something like that, iconic like that. Yeah. If nil was available, then he would have had people calling oh. him, knocking down his door. I mean, yeah, you look at it now, it's like, oh, my goodness, what what would it be? You know, I was going to Toledo. Bryce went to Valparaiso. I mean, yep. those are two uh, mid-major programs, and both of us had success early. I mean, I was 
uh, my freshman year, you know, I, I started every game of my college career except for the first game. Uh, and, and so, you know, you came, I came Coach in as a made freshman player. First game. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> no, he, he did. He did start a couple of, of upperclassmen, which I understand, but uh, but I but I made him change his mind real quick after that. There and, you go. You know, but um, yeah, I mean, it could have. You know, very easily, I, you know, if this was if it was the way it is back then, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you would be moving on. You you would or you would look to go higher. I mean, I, actually, Toledo had a player last year uh, who's now at Baylor. Yeah. And it was, okay, I had success at the MAC, I had success at the mid-major level, and I'm going to go try it at you yeah. know, Baylor, a top-ten program in the country. And, um, you know, looking back, I'm glad, though. I'm, I mean, I'm happy I stayed, right. uh, you know, every year. And, I, I you know, I, I don't know that, like, Let's say, you know, I, I leave after year two, go to Ohio State, and now I'm a rebounder and a screener, whereas at Toledo, you know, I get to do more things, and now I have the ability to get drafted yeah, and play in the NBA. And and that's where, that's the thing we kind of sell guys on here. It's like, you can transfer, and, and you know, we have success here. You go turn, you know, you're going to get high, but you know what? You got everything a high major offers here. We can give you the facilities. We can give you everything, but you can also play in the postseason and by the way, you're going to have the freedom to continue to grow your game, to continue to get better, and you know you still got you yeah. know you, they may be better for your pro career in yeah. that sense. So. I mean, this is the first real year of that, you know, and so I, I hope that message gets out because we had some yeah. kids that left here, right? Yeah, and yeah. and that's fine. I mean, yeah. everybody needs to do what they think is best for them and their families, right? But sometimes it's like you don't know how good a thing you had, and you hear some of these horror stories about kids. Yeah. dumping a good thing for a great thing that when they get there, it ain't a great thing. Right. You know, they were sold right. a bill of goods or they misunderstood or they yeah. didn't hear, you know, who knows who's at fault, but uh, there's going to be a lot of that. And hopefully that'll kind of tamper down and people, yeah. will, there'll be a little bit of a, of a blow up of everybody's going to the portal and they'll be like, okay, yeah. maybe I got a good thing here. Maybe it's okay to not be the man for the first two yeah. years and I'll grow into it. That That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of revert back to the mean, you know, after these COVID kids, I think this might be our last year yeah. of having the COVID uh, seniors and all of that so I hope so I hope it does go back I I enjoy having I mean part of the joy the joy of being a coach is you get freshmen in here that you can work with and develop and mm -hmm. practice a little bit more every day because they're not playing in the games you know like Noah mm -hmm. Hauser this year you know we can work a little bit more with him because he's not you know it doesn't have the demand on his body of, for for the games or the pressure and so uh that's the fun part of what we get to do you yeah. know seeing guys grow up I, I love seeing you know, even like with DMX working with him, I yeah. mean, he's, he's you got to remember he's still a freshman and, and um, uh, you know, he's got a chance to be really good, but it's going to take time, you know. Yeah. Statistically, I actually saw a tweet uh, this week, somebody put out there, it's like freshmen um, in, in, in the country, I mean, the average is, I mean, it's like three points a game. You yeah. know, for, it's, for, it's it's a big jump. It's a huge jump. And <laughs> People don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, even even like even like five stars. You know, it's that, a big that, jump. Yeah, I mean, not like like it is such a big jump. Yeah. And so, no matter what, it's just hard to win with yeah. freshmen. So you just you end up you get them and they don't play, and then they get upset. You know, so it's, yeah. I, I have know. people like I have some of our 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 you know freshmen. They come in and be like, oh, he's gonna be great. Yeah. And then they play the first game. And they don't play very well. And like, what's wrong with that guy? And I go. He's 18, yeah. and it's his first NCAA game, and it's really hard to play NCAA basketball. Yeah, yeah. You're playing against 22, 23-year-old guys out there that and your head's know swimming how to play. And you, and you, the coach tells a play, and you're like, I don't remember what that was. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? yeah. And then you're freaking out. It's, it's, yeah, it's a very hard game. Well, let's go back a little bit. Where, where did you grow up? So I'm from Lebanon, Ohio. Um, I went to high school in Lebanon. I uh, have... Uh, 
three brothers, uh, younger brothers, so um, one of four boys. And, uh, um, you know, my parents weren't really athletes or, or uh, you know, in, in the sports world. My dad was a musician and an artist. He's actually a, a, a carpenter by trade, but uh, uh, we had more of an artistic type family, I would say. And then, uh, um, you know, got junior high, I was tall, uh, started to grow. I, I grew late, but I started to grow. And so the high school coach found me and said, hey, you need to play. And anyway, so yeah, that was kind of the end. I kind of fell in love with, with the game at that point in high school. And um, interestingly enough, my high school coach, uh, his wife, was sisters with uh, the head coach at uh, Toledo. And so uh, back then, you know, in the early 90s, AAU wasn't really a thing. You know, you kind of played in blue chip camps. There was five-star camp and it was more camps. Um, but anyways, I, you know, I wasn't, didn't really get out on a, a recruiting scene. So the yeah. Toledo coach, uh, I met him early on and he started recruiting me. And so, uh, you know, I felt like Toledo was a was a good fit right there in Ohio. It was only a few hours up the road. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, graduated in 93, went to Toledo and, and uh, had a nice career there. What, what, uh, what, what instruments did your dad, uh, vocalist? Yeah, he, yeah guitar. He was a guitar player, but gotcha. uh, very gifted musically. So like, I mean, oh, one of those guys, I, I, you know, one of those guys like, 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 yeah, like I brought a saxophone home, I think in sixth grade, you know, joined the band and, you yeah. know, I, and, you know, I brought a saxophone and he never played, you know, anybody picks it up and is like, you know, playing, you know, <laughs> Oh, Suzanne or That's something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, he's really is gifted. Interesting enough, my my son Isaiah, who plays it for us here at GCU now, is uh, he's pretty gifted uh, musically. Plays really? guitar. Yeah, he's, nice. he's actually he's actually really good. So I mean, it's great to have that, especially when you're you know. That, I mean, my all my kids are in the arts, right? It's great yeah. to have us. We're trying to get them to hey, do some physical stuff. Yeah. And when you're just doing physical stuff, it's like, hey, do something where you're yeah. using your artistic side too. Yeah. That's, that's cool yeah. to have that. Yeah, uh, it's awesome to have a balance yeah. like that. I, I try to do that with the, with the with the kids a little bit. So, um, Zay learned play? guitar. I played a little bit of guitar. I mean, okay. I can play guitar. I can pick it pick around, you know, chords and stuff. Gotcha. Not, but I'm not. I that definitely skipped a generation. But I got <laughs> I got Isaiah in it early when he was. Um, uh, when he was young, we were, I was living in Italy and I remember him in elementary school and we did a little homeschool guitar program and he, he took right he to loved it. it huh? Loved it. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. the way you do it. You yeah. Expose them and if they like it, yeah. then you support it. They take yeah. off. So, um, when you're like, Hey, I'm going to start playing basketball. I mean, did you play all the other sports where your parents like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Yeah. It, it, it kind of was like that, you know, uh, um, we, uh, I started playing and, uh, but I was always pretty athletic. I mean, I did track and field. Okay. I, I, I uh, uh, was a good high jumper. I high jumped 6'10 in high school. And so that was, um, yeah. you know, uh, did that. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I was probably, you know, by the time my, my junior year, probably six foot eight. So was tall and could jump and was real pretty athletic. And so, um, just kind of kind of started to come, come natural. And I, I remember I got in high school, I got a job at the local YMCA so that I could be in the gym, you know? Yeah. So I worked and, and just kind of hung out in the gym all day and would shoot baskets. And, um, the other thing that's really interesting for me, uh, it's amazing how God works things out, but athletes in action, which is a, uh, Christian, uh, ministry, athletic ministry, they had a basketball team back in the day. And, uh, there were players on there. Some people who might listen to your podcast may know uh, Lorenzo Romar who coaches mm -hmm. Pepperdine yeah uh he was a player um Michael Porter Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. played at Missouri he's in the NBA now yeah. his dad was a really good player uh and they had a team in based in Lebanon Ohio 
really? who would work out their practices were in wow. the YMCA where I work. Huh. Uh, I didn't come from much. And so, you know, uh, there was a guy on their team. His name was Craig Slotick. He, um, six foot ten player on their team. Again, Renzo Moore, they used to dominate college basketball. They would play uh, preseason games. And they would play Michigan. Lorenzo Romar, Lorenzo Romar would have 45 points against Michigan. Then they'd go down to Kentucky, and he'd have 50 down there. Like, he was an unbelievable player. Yeah. NBA, these was, these, I mean, he was an NBA player and stepped away from the NBA to, to do this missionary work with AIA. Um, so they were a really good team. So I would work out with them. And, uh, you know, Craig would give me hand-me-downs of his clothes because I could never find clothes that would fit me. Uh, but these guys were amazing, and, and I really loved the Lord kind of took me under their wing a little bit because, you know, yeah. here I am a young basketball player. And um, and so I'm seeing these really good basketball players, but guys that just really love Jesus. And uh, so that, it was cool. It was it was amazing yeah. how that worked out. Well, yeah. Why were they in Why did they start? Well, they, there was a uh, AIA um, had their headquarters, had, an had an offices um, right outside of Lebanon. Really? And the why I worked with was a beautiful YMCA, so it was a great facility. So that was just it was just close to it. Yeah. And they all they the players lived. They don't even have a team like that anymore. These guys were all like, they were on staff. That was like their job, right? It's their job. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, right? No. It was like all volunteer, like for like a two week mission or yeah, for two weeks, for a month or something. Especially players, they have they have a like guys who do it full time. Administrative staff. Administrative staff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they don't do it with the players anymore. Yeah. Um, one of the players is now the head of uh, NBA International Basketball. He's like oh, okay. way up there with Adam Silver. Anyways, they had a great team. It was, I mean, they weren't just like going to colleges and getting beat in the, I mean, they were beating. They were competing They were and beating winning. teams, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's kind of that's a cool side story. Track, but No, yeah. that's great. So, when did you know, like, when did you know, you, 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 you guy recruits you, hey, you're tall, you should play basketball. Yeah. When did you know, you know, I might be pretty good at this. Maybe I can go to college and do this. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I was the first one in my family to go to college. And so, you know, getting a scholarship was was huge. Um, like, did you think, like, by your junior, senior year, like, oh, yeah, I well, can do this? I, I, like... I remember I got, uh, I started my sophomore year. Again, I was I was tall. When, when you're six foot, over six, eight, and you can run and chew gum at the same time so i could Everybody's i was athletic mouth waters we you can know, teach him <laughs> it's like yeah so I, I started i got some offers my junior year and uh sophomore year even and when i i remember a couple of teams and uh i started getting division two and nai you know freshman sophomore year and then and then junior senior year i started getting a lot more attention and then um uh but uh, i i'll never forget my junior year of college uh was Sophomore year, I had a good season, and then my junior year, I'm, I'm like one of our first or second games, I, I remember going over to the media desk and seeing um, a, a, uh, a, a name tag. They would put the name tags for the people, for media and stuff like that. And there was a, there was a, a name tag for uh, uh, somebody from the Seattle Supersonics. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. What are they here for? I asked our uh, SID, and he was like, well, he's like, he's coming to see you. And I'm like, what? what? Like, that was the first time I was See like, see me do what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, no way. Like, there's no way. Like, there's, you know, I never thought, yeah. even dreamed. Honestly, I didn't even dream that that would be a possibility until then. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, yeah. keep working. Maybe there'll be a shot. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, so you were at Toledo. Is that where you met Dana? It is. So Dana played on the women's team. So uh, she had an amazing career. She was. Uh, uh, three-time MAC Player of the Year, went to a couple of NCAA tournaments. Her jersey is retired. Uh, one of only three athletes whose jersey is retired. 
Um, and so uh, she had an unbelievable career. She played for Bill Finley, who has uh, been a 20-year coach at Iowa State. He left Toledo Dana, after Dana's senior year, oh, and really? he's been at Iowa State forever. Yeah, he's still yeah. there. I had an unbelievable career. He's a great coach. Yeah. But Dana was uh, – boy, she was such a good player. People I always ask, like, you know, they know Bryce's career. And, yeah. You know, and obviously people know Scott winning the national championship at Baylor. But I say Dana's the most competitive. She's the toughest one of the, of the three. She uh, <laughs> she was really, really good. So, she, yeah, she was a point guard on the team. Yeah. And, and, um, um, yeah, uh, for those of you who aren't connecting the dots, yeah. Casey married Dana. Dana's brothers are Bryce Drew and Scott Drew Scott, of course, yeah. the head coach at Baylor, won the Natty a couple years back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable yeah. basketball. I mean, Homer Drew, my father. Yeah, and Homer is the father. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a legend, uh, and and I mean, won over six hundred games, Division One. I. I mean, he yeah. he had a he, he was a he's an amazing coach, amazing man of God, just an awesome person, um, and obviously that that's uh, you know trickled down. He still loves coming to the gym. He like, does. I'm I'll, I'll, Casey, sometimes I'll come and I'll look over and I'll see. <laughs> Homer Drew talking to Jerry Clangelo. I'm like, how much basketball did these yeah. two dudes yeah. seen? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, man, it's a, it's incredible. Scott, okay, Scott's won a national championship. I mean, he's he's right now. He's I mean, his his career, what he's done at Baylor, how he rebuilt that program. He's probably one of the biggest names in bas- college basketball. And Scott and Bryce still call Homer. I mean, Bryce will call Homer and say, hey, what did you think? You know, tonight after the game, yeah. you know, what what adjustments would you make? you know what lineups do you see out there who who do you like that maybe could give us a spark you know coming up and and they'll talk hoops and uh some of my favorite memories being part of the drew family even going back to the days when i played in the summers you know coming home in the summers from europe dana would come home we had a house in valpo for about 15 years so while i was playing professionally so we'd come back i'd work out with bryce you know he was playing and and uh but sitting around the kitchen table with bryce and scott and homer and just talking hoops and you know maybe bryce was off with the new orleans pelicans and scott's you know coaching and uh and and homer's coaching about you know but just sitting around with those yeah. guys it, it's so much fun yeah i mean the only story i have about your wife dana is we were in kansas city last <laughs> year on the trip and i was going to interview her at halftime and at halftime they picked some kids to come down and do a a musical chairs thing. At, you guys are back in the locker room. It happened. Yeah. And Bryson Drew was your nephew. He was yeah. picked, and man, he was competing hard. And I said, "Man, he's competing hard." And she and she says, "Well, I feel kind of bad, but I told him you better not lose this." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "All right, the stories are true. You are the most competitive." She goes, "Yeah, I feel bad, but I go, don't feel bad about that." And she's like, "Okay, you better not. You're a Drew. You yeah. better not lose this." And I was like, "Okay, hey, the stories are true." <laughs> it is. It is true. She is. We 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 were married early. We were married young. We were married in college, and I'll tell you, we. I, I learned very early not to play her one on one. You know, people ask like, "Do you guys go to the gym?" I'm like, "No, we stay away from the gym because we get in a, we, we leave in a fight." You know, we be good for the marriage. But no, yeah. she she's well, super competitive, and that's I mean, my the three boys who all play competitively. I mean, they get that. You know, they got that. That's one thing. You know, so so I mean, I didn't play competitive in any sport past high school, right? Yeah. And but one thing is, I've been around GCU. Now it's my 15th season of different things, and around D1 basketball. There's a lot of guys with talent. There's a lot of guys with size. There's a lot of guys with all this yeah. stuff. But the competitive nature, and I'm always asking coaches, I, I know you can't necessarily teach it, but when you're recruiting, how do you how do you know the kid's yeah. got it? Like, Because yeah. that's the kid yeah. where it's gold. When you've got all the abilities, but you just aren't going to be beat. 
You know, I, I, we just played a, a really tough Liberty team. Yeah. And you look at that team on paper, and you see kids that are five foot ten. You right? know, their center is <laughs> six foot six. Just five nine and a half. Yeah, and they're a top fifty team, and you're like, wait a minute, what? And and it's like you look at that team, and you go, boy, if you recruit character and kids with heart, and competitive desire, toughness, uh, a will to win. I mean, you can do – it is so fun yeah. to coach, first of all, those type of kids. And, and you win. You win with, with character. And so you have to try to value – it's hard. It's super hard to evaluate it um, in recruiting. But, you know, you have to you have to recruit character and yeah. heart. And even, like, for me, raising three sons who are all competitive players, um, like the balance between saying, okay, uh, you know, I want you to be a, a – very a great teammate unselfish uh you know i, I want to raise you to be a man of god who is humble and caring for others but oh yeah i also want you to be a dog you know when you step in line <laughs> you step I want you, court, yeah i want you to, i want you to be able to say i want you to be a fighter i want you to you know yeah. and so uh striking that balance as a dad is has been has been um fun for me to, to 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 see the different personalities of the three boys and then say okay hey like like luke's in italy right now and, and he's competing over there and so like my youngest and so just you know giving him you know like hey when you go in there you know you're gonna have to compete and like, that's what they're yeah. gonna see they're not gonna it don't matter i mean jump shots you make go out there and compete to win you know yeah. and so uh yeah but dana has that and she's she's she, she yeah. you know she always has and had an unbelievable, like I said, unbelievable college career. So well, you yeah. bring you bring up a great point. I've, I've always been interested in that to the balance, right? Because it is okay for there to be a tension between I want to kill you on the court, but then I want to go to church with you yeah. off the court. Yeah. I want to hang with you off the court. Yeah, it's okay, and there probably should be a tension between that. It's probably pretty natural to do that. And yeah. one of my favorite UFC fighters, Benel Dariush, she's a Christian, and he said he's to this day struggles with it. Like my job and what I feel like God <laughs> created me to do is to get in the cage and beat guys up. <laughs> yeah, but the minute it's over, I want to lead him to Christ. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, and he yeah. still kind of struggles with that dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's like, um, but, uh, you know, you can watch movies like Chairs of Fire and you say, yeah. you know, what, you know, when I'm running, you know, I feel God's pleasure. And it's like, you know, when you go out on that court, um, we've got some guys on our team that like Gabe McLaughlin, Gabe's a great, he loves the Lord and he, he, he really has a great spirit about him and God's uh, working in his life. Um, and, uh, but man, he goes out there and he will he he will go through a brick wall to get a rebound. I mean, yeah. he, he will he will fight through three guys that are that are six foot ten, two hundred and eighty pounds, and he'll he'll come down with it because he has such a competitive uh, toughness and, and desire to win. And um and so I think he's a great example of of like being able to go out there and play really, really hard, you know, for the Lord and compete. Yeah. You know, um and then give him give God glory for for that, yeah. you know, to uh, to be able to say, you know what, God's doing something in my life, and um, you know, so we've got a few guys like that on the team. That's what making this is yeah. a special year. You've been around a lot more of those A type personalities. What it takes to be, because you played, you went through Toledo, you played in the NBA, you played overseas for multiple years, and that takes a very special person to to achieve that that level of success. And and it almost seems like the only ones that I've come across that seem to have a balanced life are the ones where. God's a part of their life. It, it, it's really hard to be balanced and be everything without God, with something else being that away from my sport thing. Yeah, I I agree. Um, 
you know, it grounds you, you know, you have to have a foundation and, uh, it's so easy to get swept away in sports with, um, pressures and, and, you know, to, to, to please, you know, these kids are fake. I mean, with social media, uh, and, you know, so many people that, 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 that put this pressure and, and, and it can build, you know, on these young guys. And so one of the things we do in our program is, uh, you know, we try to give them a spiritual foundation um, where, you know, we talk to the guys often about, um, you know, what are you what are you building your foundation on? What are you standing on right now? Because it can't be basketball because that's going to ebb and flow. It can't be, uh, you know, future success. It can't like like financial success. It can't be, uh, you know, even even you know relationships. It's it, you have to have something deeper that you can really stand on that, that doesn't move. And we talk about that, that being, um, the rock of, of Christ and, and building your life on that. And, and, um, and being able to, uh, when you do that, know that like, Hey, the ups and downs are going to come. You're going to go have hilltops and valleys and, and struggles and trials, but your feet are set. You know, you're, you're, you're in the moment you can, you know, you perform with freedom, uh, from, you know, expectations and, and pressures like that's when you're going to play your best and uh, I looked at my own self as a player look back over my career those are the times when I really played well was when I just had freedom to not worry about the next contract or you know who am I trying to impress here um, could just go out and play with that and we really want that to be true of our guys you know we want our team to be one where guys just they're just playing for each other and the and the and you know they're letting the game come to them, and they're playing with toughness and competitiveness, regardless of the opponent, uh, regardless of our ranking, regardless of any of the external factors. And you know they're young guys, so they don't always mm-hmm. get that. But but yeah. that's something we can. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, we continue to just um, preach to them, uh, outside of the X and O's of what we're putting in from a system standpoint. Um, and and you know I'll tell you like some of our veterans again. You look at Ray and Gabe. That's one of the things that they bring in that locker room, which is, hey guys, we play for each other, we play for the Lord, we, you know, uh, um, you know, it, we, we're not worried about the stats, we're not worried about that. And those guys, they hold other guys accountable to that. It's like this is who we are, mm-hmm. you know. Gabe's been in this program for four years now. Yeah. And so, yeah. Right. You know, and so he sat in chapels and team times and talks about this and 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 uh, so. Um, yeah, I think I think you have to have that. When did that become a big part of your life? So I I, I uh, mine I became a Christian through athletes, the ministry of athletes in action. So we were talking about AIA, you know, seeing those guys who were, for me it was, um, you know, I felt like a Christianity. It was you know it, it was something you kind of went to belong to. You know, yeah, I wanted to belong to a group, and you know, I was like, well, I'm a basketball player. You like know, a so, club or something. yeah, like a club. You know. And then, but when I when I saw really good basketball players who were doing exactly what we're talking about, which is playing for the Lord and and playing with that joy, you could just see that joy. Um, that really is what impacted my life. And so I was a freshman in college, and uh, I redshirted, and it, and I really improved that first that redshirt year. And so my coach came to me in the summer, and he said, "Listen, um, summers were different. Coaches couldn't really work with the players mm-hmm. in the summer. It's different than was is now." He said, "We think you're going to have a big impact on our team next year." But, you know, we want you to get some game time experience with referees. So why don't you go with AIA overseas 
and um, you know you're going to get to play against some pro teams in Europe. So it was a six week tour. So for six weeks, wow. my summer after my freshman year, um, they put together a team of college players, and uh, I was the only mid major player on that team. It was I mean I remember we had a player from Florida who had been in the Final Four. We had a player uh, from Duke, uh, we, um, really good team, Louisville. Yeah. And um, brought that team together, and, and again, great players, but guys that really loved the Lord and played with a different, like I said, just a joy. And so, it was on that team. We were in the Ukraine. I uh, remember we were playing in Kiev, um, and I'll never forget being in the Ukraine. We had visited an orphanage of uh, kids that had been affected by the um, Chernobyl explosion. So there was cancers and and uh, deformities, children who had lost parents from this radiation. And I was, I'd never seen like the poverty. I'd never seen like the love that these kids had yet being in such terrible circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it impacted my life. I mean, it, it just, it really opened my eyes up to what God had for me and the peace that he offers. And so um, I gave my life to Jesus there. And that, I, I really did it 180 degrees in that moment in my life. I mean, that was kind of the, the moment I like, you know, gave my heart to him and that was uh in 94 uh and so um yeah it was uh it was life-changing and what was it like uh, coming back uh to campus like that i mean you talk yeah. about the culture that that this staff is creating and yeah. what you mentioned about the jesus christ worldview really i mean that fits perfectly with this school it yeah. doesn't fit with every school yeah 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 toledo was obviously it's a state school so it was uh different we didn't have any other christians on the team there and uh I, you know, it did nothing which I remember coming back and my teammates being like, you know, like, what is going, like, what <laughs> happened, you know? Oh, you can tell the difference. Huh? They do a difference for sure. That's you know, nice, for right? sure. That's yeah, absolutely. Affirmation. And uh, I remember just saying something to the effect of like, hey, look, man, like, I don't know any Bible verses. I don't know what to, t- I don't know how to answer you right now, but all I can say is this is real, you know? I don't, like, know. This is real. I don't know anything about what I did, but I did the right thing. Yeah, you should yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it really was, was fun. So my teammates, yeah. obviously they were great. And, and um, um, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I came back and it wasn't like, um, you know, it was just, hey, you know, I'm gonna be a great teammate. Let's hang yeah. out. Let's have a good time. But when you guys are ready to go do some stuff, I'm like, hey, I'll just step out of that. You know, yeah, like do your thing, yeah, but I'm you not good here, but, I'll, but yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, so yeah. And so you said so like junior year, yeah. Supersonics. Oh my gosh, they're coming to see yeah. me. And then you start thinking, and then walk us through like that transition into the NBA and then into Italy. Yeah, so I think the NBA started scouting. You know, like I said, my junior year, and um, um, it was. Uh, uh, it, it was, I, I mean, it was an awesome time. I mean, I just kept kind of, kind of getting better and better. Um, and then uh, after my senior year, um, I was somewhat on some, some boards, not on some draft boards, but not like, you know, to a great extent. I mean, there was a lot of mock drafts where I wasn't even on it, but I think what really did it for me was, um, well, first I never got to go to the NCAA tournament my year. Mm. Uh, I was, uh, so my my same grade, same year for people who are basketball buffs, you might remember uh, Earl Boykins was at Eastern Michigan. He's a five seven point guard who played about eight years in the yeah, NBA. Yeah. And Bonzi Wells was eleventh pick in the draft. He was at uh, Ball State. Derek Dial was uh, a draft pick. He was also at Eastern Michigan. Those guys were my same age, and so Earl Boykins put me out of the tournament three out of my four years. Oh, 
guy. Yeah, he was he was really good. So I never played in the tournament, so I never played on that stage. But um, uh, I got invited to the pre-draft camp. Actually, back then it wasn't in Chicago; it was in Phoenix. So I came to oh, Phoenix. Really? Yeah, I was here in Phoenix, huh. uh, and I uh, again I wasn't really on a lot of lot of boards, but um, I played really really well. They told me coming in, they were like, you talk about competitive desire. They told me uh, um, you can't foul out. And so we played, you know, we play five games while you're here. And uh, so I averaged a triple-double. Points, rebounds, and fouls. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, I fought so you, hard. You can't foul out of these games. They, just told, gonna, me, they told me you can't foul out. Foul, but you just keep going. You, you can stay on the court. And I'm like. Well, that's done and done. that's great. I am going to <laughs> I'm going to there. I'm going to put some people on the floor here. So I played really really hard. I mean, I was. You know, that's just because they just want to see the physicality. They want to see enough. Yeah, they I was. They were like, it. yeah, like okay, you foul out. Like no, no, these scouts here, they want to watch yeah, you. Want I understand the attempt, yeah, but yeah. for me, I was like, well, then I'm just going to play like as hard as I possibly can, you know. Smart. And um, up. yeah, so um, so that was where I really kind of took off, and then I had a bunch of individual workouts. I got about, I had 11 workouts between that point and the draft, which was pretty much, I mean, it was full. My whole schedule was just, my whole counter filled up. Um, and I was worked out with basically teams that had picks from, in the first round, from 18 to 30. I, I was hoping to sneak into that range. Uh, I never worked out with the Sixers because their pick, their first pick was the 37th pick. And, uh, and my agent, I talked, and I would love to work out with them, but they, um, I was like hoping to get in the first round. Yeah. And uh, so when draft day came around, um, I was watching the draft with Dane. I fell out. I didn't get drafted first round, obviously. Second round came, and I remember when Philly had their pick. Uh, I think New York was after Philly, and I was like, "Well, I was like, I'm gonna go in the kitchen, make something to eat." I was like, "I might have a shot with New York because I had a good workout with them." And then Philly picked me, so I had never worked Were you out in with the them. Kitchen when they picked I was you? in the kitchen. Uh, she yells at me, you know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, That's awesome. yeah, it was in the it, kitchen when you heard yeah, about it. Yeah. So yeah, I got, I was a 37th pick. How um, exciting is that though? I mean, that's it, just, that, that's amazing. Amazing. I mean, just, it, you know, and Bryce was a 16th pick in that same draft. So we were drafted in the same, same draft. So, so my brother-in-law, you know, yeah. we were both drafted. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. In hindsight, I wish I was in Toledo with Dana during the draft. Uh, it would have been fun to, to go. I should have drove over to Valpo. It would have been fun to be together yeah. for that night. Um, but a really special moment. Uh, you know, not many people get to hear their name called by the um, vice commissioner. There's so few picks in basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so what was your family thinking through all this? Because, like, the sports is so foreign to them yeah. anyways, let yeah. alone – Oh, you're going to play? Oh, yeah. you're actually pretty good? Oh, you're going to D1? Yeah. Wait a minute, you're going to the pros? Uh, yeah, just I had no idea. No idea. I mean, they thought, like, I got drafted and I immediately had millions of dollars or something. I don't know what. All but, your relatives are calling. Yeah, hey, yeah, car. Was, yeah no, it's... Uh, but, it ain't that way. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was exciting. It was a really yeah. exciting time. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, what was the biggest difference? You show, So they call you, you go, you show up at, at camp, and what's the yeah. biggest difference? As far as basketball goes. Yeah, it was, uh, well, I mean, I played for Larry Brown, who's a legendary coach. Wow. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love, I mean, I learned, even just in the year I was in the league, I, I learned getting to practice every day and see how he managed the team, managed egos. That was the thing. I was so impressed with him. I mean, his X and O's and the way he coaches is amazing. Um, but, uh, 
but he was, you know, having Allen Iverson on the team. I mean, that that is a whole. Allen was on that team. Yeah, so you know, Whew. Iverson was there. That was his. He's talking about a dog, man. He was. Oh, <laughs> he was. He's talking about being. I mean, just every night. I mean, it was like so fun to watch. Um, but he, you know, and so see, and Larry Brown coached that team, and then we had another player called named Eric Snow. Yeah. Eric uh, had a really good NBA career, but yeah. the thing I learned from Eric was Iverson excelled because. Larry Brown knew how to coach him, and Eric in the locker room was the the best leader I've ever seen. And I actually use examples of Eric when I talk to our guys, you know, some of our upperclassmen, because of things that he would do with with Allen, uh, as far as like just from a leadership and accountability standpoint, just trying to kind of keep him, you know, with the group, with the team, you know, engaged. yeah, engaged. And it's like, you if you have a guy like an Eric Snow in your locker room. Man, your team can be amazing. He's I have the backcourt running mate, right? That went to the yeah. finals with yeah. The, so with Eric, Iverson, with uh, the Lakers against the Lakers. Yeah, but Coach Brown would always put Eric like on the toughest uh, match. Like he would guard the. Uh, he was kind of the defense. You know, Iverson would kind of rest on defense, and then yeah, uh, and then Eric would take the. And then Aaron McKee was on that team as well. So Eric and Aaron, Aaron McKee ended up. I mean, he was coaching at um, Temple, I think, recently, mm-hmm. and uh, he was on that team. And so those two guys just. Kind of had that coaching mindset, and and uh, it was a lot of fun. My locker was actually right next to Allen, so every day, you know, we'd be getting practice gear on and stuff, and changing shoes, and just just uh, just being able to talk to him and kind of. Yeah. Uh, he he is. I'll, t- I'll tell this quick story. He um he used to he st- in the late nineties there was a fad where every Christian person would wear a uh, WWJD bracelet. Yeah. Well. They they weren't a bit as huge a thing when I first got to Philly, and uh, I was in my locker one day and I I had grabbed one at the bookstore, and Iverson looks and he's like, man, that's good. he's like I like that. What is that? And I said, well, it stands for what would Jesus do? He's like, man, that looks that's kind of he's like, can I have one? And I was like, yeah. I was like, I got you. So I went back to the bookstore and I bought the bookstore out of WWJD bracelets. I mean, I brought thirty of them and and I gave them to like I'd give him one every every game and he'd he'd wear it and. Uh, He'd wear it around. And I swear within a year, that blew up. I mean, it was like, so I don't want to say I'm responsible, but I feel like I have a small part in those bracelets. Because you know, it was like kids everywhere were wearing, you know, like, every, every, yeah, everybody on? wanted to be Iverson. And, and so kids everywhere were wearing those WWJD bracelets. But uh, he, he actually was a great guy. I'd I, I say people, um, guys who played with him will, will tell you the same thing. He was a funny teammate, hilarious in the locker room. He was a lot different than the persona that he put out in the public. I think that was he kind of put out a little yeah. bit of a uh, it was a caricature of who he really yeah. was. Uh, and he was he was he was actually a fun. Yeah, teammate. they kind of like to play up the kind of thug personality, yeah. kind of gangster, yeah. wannabe kind of. He wore the thing. Ba- he was first to wear the baggy yeah. clothes and be tatted up and all that, and so he he kind of you know the scar for whatever. Wow, that's a couple of legends. I mean, Larry Brown, I, I've gotten over it, but I grew up in Missouri and he ruined my childhood with Danny Manning <laughs> beating Mizzou all the that's time, right, you know. That's right. uh, but he was a great coach. And then I've always, you know, everybody when they make the list of greatest players, Iverson's never one of those guys. And I'm like, what he did with his size in that city, every game, game in and game it's, out. And that was back then where if you were a guard, you got beat up a bit, you know. It, and he would go to the whole hard Night after night. Yeah, he has to be on those lists. I mean, he was so good, it, and it was every night. Yeah, and he would. He never lifted weights. He was he was 
all of 5'11". I mean, maybe 5'10". Um, had the longest arms, you know, really, really long arms, but uh, never lifted weights, you know, wouldn't... I, he came in the weight room maybe one time when I was there, he, so he didn't really work on his body. He would work on his game, but, yeah. uh, but man, I mean, just his his ability to, to score and his athleticism and, to, and, he, and they would foul him. I mean, they'd hit and he'd just crash on the floor every game, every <laughs> night out of him. and he just bounced back up yeah. and um, just an incredible uh, player. He, he has to, he has to go down as one of the, I mean, he was just, uh, just I mean, he's on those top 50 lists. He's got to be. They, put, yeah. they, they start naming yeah. the top 10 and he's never on there. I just like, what he did with his size yeah. night in and night yeah. out. But, yeah. So you play with those guys. It was just a year. And then yeah. what was that transition over to Italy? Yeah, I mean, I was a high enough draft pick that I got a uh, – I did get a two-year contract. Um, but at the end of the first year, um, in hindsight, I, I wish I would have stuck it out. But I looked at the roster, and I'm like, man, I'm not going to get to play. We had a lot of really good big guys. Matt Geiger, Theo Ratliff, Tyrone Hill, uh so I mean, it, it it was a good team. Um, in fact, the next year they that's when they made that's the finals. It was the next year. Um, and so you know, I told my agent, I said, "Well, I'll go overseas for a year. Like, like let me get out. Of, like, I can't go to another NBA team because I had signed a two-year deal. So Philly owned my rights. So the only way I was going to get out of that deal was to go to Europe and then come back. And I said, "Well, I'll go overseas for a year, make a little bit of money, and then uh, and then come back." And so. So we did, and and um, went to Italy, and Dana and I loved it. I mean, it, we really uh, fell fell in love with it, the city we were in. We were a little small city called Cantu, just north mm. of Milan. Our apartment looked out on the, uh, we could see the the pre Alps. They call it. It's the Italian Alps, wow. and um, the city didn't have a soccer team, so they loved basketball. They really took us in, and. Uh, so I, you know, and we played there, and I was like, "This is pretty nice." Ended Worst up places to be. Ended up staying, yeah, yeah. Ended up playing. And that was ten, ten years. Ten years in Italy, uh, and then two years in Spain. So total, total wow. thirteen years. Of and Isaiah was your only child that was born there. He was the only one. We, he, I was playing in Rome. He was born in Rome. Uh, Anna and Luke are summer babies, so we were we would come. They were both July, so gotcha. they were they were born in Valparaiso, Indiana. Caleb uh, was born in two thousand three. That year, I uh, went to camp with uh, um, uh, uh, Sacramento and, um, and then went over for a little bit, but then came back, and he was born in March in the States. So, yeah. So being, being um, you know, part of the Drew family at that point, when, when you finally decided, hey, you know, playing career's over, did you always know you were going to go into coaching? We talked about this a little bit. A few yeah. years back, you, you had some other options you were thinking about. Yeah. No, I wanted to go in. I, I, well, it's, it's – it's funny, you know, you you play that long. So I played, I mean, you know, college, and then you play for a while. And I was like wondering what it would be like to to have kind of a normal life. And so, but I did look to go into coaching. Um, we had a home in Valpo, and uh, the year I retired, um, you know, Bryce took the head coaching job at Valparaiso. And so, um, you know, we talked at that point about joining his staff at, at Valpo, um, but uh, um, but I, I actually took a break. I took a Took a took a break. I worked for uh, an investment firm in Chicago for for a few years, um, just kind of thinking like, well, what's it like to have a normal life? You know, before mm-hmm. I jump into coaching, what's it like to kind of have a weekend off or a Thanksgiving and a Christmas? What's that look <laughs> like? And it's so in those few years I was there, I, I realized, yeah, this isn't what I mm-hmm. want. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I enjoy, I mean, I learned a lot and just kind of um, you know being kind of in that in the business world. I think it 
it did help me understand to be a better coach even you know under, you know from a recruiting standpoint, you know networking like uh connecting with people uh and so th- there were some great great things that i learned and then while i was doing that though while i while i did that in that time i also coached an aau program and then i also did uh nba had a had a one-year assistant coaches program where you got to they did uh, training with you so you coached it like Portsmouth pre-draft camp, summer leagues, you do a preseason, kind of being able to go and sit with um, uh, different coaches in the NBA and they would go through a scouting film or teach you how to draft a, a report on a player if you were scouting, you know, if I had to yeah. um, looking at, you know, how do you uh, uh, do film. That was actually a great program. Um, they do a lot of stuff like that for, for retired players. The NBA does a really good job of helping guys transition. So, so I kind of had some time there to – to dabble in some different things and and then um when bryce went to um uh vanderbilt he he you know at that point um i was ready to 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 go full 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 go into it so i went with him on staff there and then you did you did you get a master of divinity or did you study that no i finish it off or how how, yeah talk about that a little bit i I got a master's in bible master's in biblical biblical studies uh from moody uh theological seminary in chicago i did that while i was playing so oh while you're playing yeah it took about six years possibly going into yeah yeah ministry work for lack of a better for sure when i was playing the last couple years and it started you know kind of winding down you start thinking about okay what's next and it was like three, there were like three things, three avenues that kind of kept popping up. One was um, coaching. One was um, ministry, possibly, like an athletes in action type mm-hmm. ministry. I didn't feel like I was called to like pastoral ministry or church work, but I felt more like, you know, I had found the Lord through athletic ministry, FCAs, you know, just something along yeah. those lines. Or do I stay in Italy? Yeah, I mean, we loved Italy. And, and so there was opportunities even to stay, whether it would be coaching in Italy or um, you know, working with uh, Youth for Christ or something mm-hmm. you know, along those lines and it'll, doing camps, things like that. So we, we had all those. Um, and then there was also kind of a, a business route. Like, do I, you know, I want to go business? Like, like, so, you know, real estate or right, you know, right. something in the, along those lines. Um, but I feel like my heart was always in coaching and basketball. I always felt like there's nothing like, you know, being part of a team, being in a locker room with yeah. with uh, with brothers that you're just fighting for a common goal with, the connection you have there, and um, uh, it's you know, and even even to this day, it's like it's not a job. You know, I come to work. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's just so much fun to be in the gym. All right, throw throw us out a couple of your your book recommendations. Oh. Uh, they they can be spiritual, religious, some of the stuff that you've, you've enjoyed reading. They can be business, they can be coaching, whatever you want. I'm, I'm a big Tim Keller fan. I, you know, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm reading Every Good Endeavor right now, actually, okay. which is uh, uh, God and work, you know. And, but um, but uh, but I, I really like him. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite, favorite mm-hmm. authors. So I, I actually will, will pick up, uh, you know, uh, some of his books, Mere Christianity or The Great Divorce. I, I love... Uh, uh, even, you know, we read the kids, the Chronicles of Narnia, Narnia oh, yeah. growing up. So, um, yeah, big C.S. Lewis fan. I think um, uh, a recent book I just read that's uh, that's good. I actually did, did, did a chapel for the guys last week about it, which was Louis Giglio wrote a book called um, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And he used uh, the part in Psalm 23 where it says... Um, it says, uh, you know, it's like the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. You know, everybody knows that part. And then I think it's in verse five. It says, uh, "He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies." 
And the book, the premise is, you know, God prepares a table for you. He doesn't take you away from all the things that go on around you, you know, the pressures, the anxieties, the difficulties, the trials, the brokenness, addiction, you know, divorce, like all of the stuff that we face as humans and have going on around us. And he's like, this verse, you know, that God prepares a bountiful table for you, but it's a table for two. And you have the power and the authority through Jesus Christ to see who you allow to sit at your table. And um, I talked about it even with the guys. It was yeah. like, guys, you know, there's so many outside pressures and sources, you know, but, the, you know, you have a chance, like your opportunity. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Like those things that are filling your mind with stuff that are negative, that are, you know, bringing you down, the, the you know, the outside, even the inside uh, um deceitfulness of our own heart where you know our heart our heart tells us lies you know uh you don't have to give the enemy say so that's a that's a book by louis gig that's a really good one um that i just finished yeah that sounds uh, great louis yeah great. yeah yeah so those yeah. are a couple yeah. i was gonna say i probably got a few you got, you got a couple yeah, no, yeah. those are those are some good ones so folks can check yeah. it out well yeah. hey we've gone almost an hour thanks so much for the time this is a lot of fun we'll do it again down the road but Lastly, so Luke's in, I mean, as of the taping, yeah. Luke's playing in Italy. You were telling us a little bit yeah. of a great opportunity. Dane yeah. and your daughter are over there. Yep. And then, of yep. course, uh, Isaiah and Caleb are on the team here. How 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 fun is that? I mean, you've, you've, you've coached your kids before. Yeah. But how fun is that in this setting? I mean, I I think about it because I'm older, and so I can be a little yeah. nostalgic while the game's going on. Yeah. Go, That's got to be kind of cool that, like, Coach Drew's nephews <laughs> are on the bench, and he's calling them in. And, like, yeah. when, when Isaiah comes in and does something, I'm like, you're you're happy because he ran the play in the game and as a coach yeah. you're like yeah he did it but as a dad you're like yeah that's my kid yeah it's i, t- <laughs> I can't even describe how much of a blessing it is it, it's it, there's an interesting dynamic with it for sure because i see them every day i'm really a big part of their life and it's almost impossible to truly coach them because no matter what i say it's i'm dad, and, dad it's, and it's and it's going to be personal you know what i mean it's going to be so I've I've told Coach Lindsay and Coach Walker and the rest of our staff like you got like you need to light them up and there'll be days in practice yep. where I might walk by Jamal and say hey man Isaiah is dogging it like you need to go light him up because I can't do it, you can't you know, do it yeah. I, I'm always going to be dad um, but it, the fact that they want to be here um, is it's such a blessing for me as a dad because like man they want to be part of what I'm doing yeah. and, and do it together and. Um, like last year we went to the NCAA tournament. I, I remember going in the locker room and Isaiah did not play. I mean, he's a medical red shirt. He's not even part of the team. Yeah. He was bawling, crying. He was so emotional because it was such a big moment for him and to do it with, with me on the team and with Bryce. It's like our family. And it's like, he knows what goes in, how hard it is, how hard it was at Vandy, what we went through at Vanderbilt. Um, he, he understands how important it is to win in this profession. It's so hard to win. But there's pressure to win, and he knows how hard it is on families, and and it was like it, it was just yeah. so cool to to see him like like love like just be so, and so you know it's awesome. I, I yeah I, I'm blessed, man. Uh, he's he's playing a great role for us. He loves to win. I think Caleb's got a chance to be really good. We're working with him every day. Um, his red shirt uh, was a little bit up in the air this season. We thought we might need him. Yeah. he's played well. He's a good player. He's going to be. I think I think Lopes fans are going to love seeing him out there. And then uh, you know Luke's got another year here. We'll see what what happens with him. But uh, but our whole team, man, we got some great kids on this team. I feel like 
it's it's a special group. So yeah, and it's nice, and because of the record and the way things are going, the world's getting a chance to, yeah. to take notice now. The yeah. basketball community is starting to take notice, which is nice. I mean, that's you know we talked about President Mueller building this. Yeah, a big part of the student experience and attracting people was having a very good basketball team. That's yeah. part. I mean, number one, he's a basketball guy. Yeah, and he yeah. loves to win, but also getting us on a national stage where people could experience what GCU's like based yeah. on these are the types of athletes they're creating. This is yeah. pretty amazing. And so it's, it's a pretty yeah. exciting to see it. It yeah. really happening. I mean, it happened last year. I mean, yeah. you guys have been to the tournament two out of three years. That's pretty doggone good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been it's been great. Well, President, it starts with President Mueller to Jamie Boggs, to, our, to, to everybody here at GCU that's just gives us so much unbelievable support. And the, the thing I love is like, Bryce knows exactly the type of program he wants to build, and we want to have kids like we have right now. We got who are good players, but great character kids, fit uh, this, the the culture of this campus. And uh, I mean, it, I feel like we are at a point where um, the vision that Brian has had, you know, from when he came to GCU a dozen years ago, or however long it was. It's, it's taken time, but it's finally starting to come to fruition. And gosh, we just uh, feel really thankful to be at a, at a school like this where we can we can have chapels, we can have team times, we can build into these guys as young men. Um, I would anybody out there listening that's in coaching, if you can find a, a situation where you can build into these young players uh, to, to help them develop as husbands and fathers and, and, and men that really uh, will uh, will represent their families and their and your team well, then that's that's where you want to be because this school gives us a chance to do that. So feel really blessed. That's why my my boys are here. They wouldn't be here if it wasn't, but they're here because we get a chance to do that. Hey Casey, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. This is awesome. Thanks so much, Mike.